I'm Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you tuned into our program today, all three hours. In this hour, Kevin Powell is our guest, one of the most celebrated political, cultural, literary, and hip-hop voices in America for quite a while now. Um, he has distinguished himself quite nicely in that regard. He joins us in this hour to talk about his political article entitled, Hip-Hop and America are Changing and Not for the Better. Hip-hop was rooted in politics and social justice and a diversity of voices, but now at age 50, has it become a minstrel show? I am pleased to welcome my friend and brother Kevin Powell back to this program. Kevin, how are you today, sir? And Tav, it's great to hear your voice, and thank you for having me. Thank you, staff, for having me as well. Appreciate y'all. No, man, good to have you back on, and I'm glad we have an hour because there's a whole lot to talk about. Um, how many words? First of all, <laughs> this this is a long piece. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not an article. It's like, a, it's like an expose. How, how many words is this piece, Kevin? It's 5,000 words. It's, uh, it started off as 2,500, and the editor and I want to shout out Teresa Wills, the amazing sister uh, uh-huh. who was at the Washington Post for years, who's their political. She worked with me on the piece. Yeah. No, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long piece and uh, worth reading, but I had to sit down and just take my time to work my way through it because you know how I read. I'm reading and highlighting as I go, knowing I'm going to talk to you about this thing. So I'm reading it and highlighting. Yes, it's, a, it's a long piece, but it, it covers a lot of ground. I'm, I'm actually glad you wrote it. My second question is, why Politico? There's so many places um, that this piece uh, could have been placed on the 50th birthday of hip-hop. And I'm just curious as to why this particular piece on a political site like Politico. They were the only ones that asked, honestly. Um, Mm. Outside of Ebony, Ebony has a special celebration of hip-hop, and I want to shout them out. I did a short interview with the brother artist, Nate Daniel Mary Quinn. But other than Ebony, no one asked me, in spite of how long I've been involved in the culture, to write anything this year. And she came along and said, hey, would you like to do a piece that kind of puts things in political context? And for me, I've been talking about hip hop as an offshoot of the civil rights movement for a very long time as I lay out in the piece. And so I, I thought it was a unique opportunity. And again, I got to re- work with an amazing black woman editor, Teresa Wiltz. have to shout her out because it wouldn't exist without her being there. So I'm really appreciative of the opportunity. Yeah. Um, well, God works in mysterious ways because you got on Politico and everybody has now seen it. I mean, let's be, let's be clear. Political ain't a, black, ain't a bad platform to be on. When you're on Politico, everybody um, reads it and hears about it. And these days, I'm not sure, this is just my own sense of this, I'm not sure platforms matter as much as they used to. And the reason for it is that once it's out there, it goes viral. If it's a good piece, if it's a controversial piece, if it's a provocative piece, if it's worth reading, it's going to go viral no matter who posted it. So whether it's Politico or Ebony or the Washington Post, New York Times, it almost doesn't matter these days. If it's if it's worth reading and people are talking about it, trust and believe it's going to spread virally. So uh, that's just my view. But I'm glad it's on Politico because it does, in fact, put this conversation in a in a uniquely different frame. Um, as you put it, it puts hip hop in a political context. So that said, um, let's just get our, let's just get our frame right. Uh, tell me what you see mm-hmm. when you see hip hop in a political frame, in a political context, 50 years in. Well, you know, any time that black people, as you know, Tavis, express themselves, the very nature of it, I mean, which you've been doing your entire career, me as a writer, you in, 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 in radio and TV, mm-hmm. you know, that by its very nature is political. Like I said in peace, George Orwell said back in the day, everything is political. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this culture that was created by working class 
African-American, West Indian, and Latinx folks in New York City. And we know there was a parallel energy happening there on the West Coast with, with the African-American community and, and the Latinx Chicano community. You know, these are the same poor people that Dr. King warned us not to abandon at the end of his life. And that's why I draw a direct connection to that with the, the Vietnam War, Civil Rights Movement, the Poor People's Campaign, because essentially they were left to make something out of nothing. Many of us who grew up poor know exactly what I'm talking about, being on the West Coast, the East Coast, in the middle of the country, who embraced hip-hop. It was a way to have some sort of possibilities. There's no, you know, for good or bad, however one people want to talk about it, I talk about it in the pieces, you know, Tavis, there's no millionaires, there's no billionaires, there's no Jay-Z, there's no Diddy, there's none of this stuff that we see if this culture hadn't been created in the first place. It created so many possibilities for so many, so many of us. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying in the piece as we celebrate 50 years, let's not just do glossy celebrations. There's some real serious stuff that's happening here. I mean, I just heard you a moment ago talking about the Biden administration and, you know, obviously the next year is a critical presidential election. And we mm-hmm. see a lot of people who are hip hop heads siding with Donald Trump, you know, the right yeah. wing. And so we have to break this stuff down. Like, what is this? What is this? And, or, you know, we just saw Kamala Harris host all these rappers at the, at her, her, her place and, 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 you know, as the vice president, you know, is that just symbolic gestures? We're just trying to get black votes. Are we serious about really, embracing the people who have who created this culture in the first place that's these are the dialogues we need to be having and i'm glad we're having it's gonna be a rich hour i always have fun talking to kevin powell because it's going to be deep as he said it's going to be rich it's going to be empowering uh and uplifting in a variety of ways when we come forward i want to start uh, and kevin said a lot already that i want to interrogate i want to I'm, i want to go to that kamala harris thing i got some critiques of that myself uh we'll talk about some of these hip-hop artists who are supporting donald trump um but i want to start with Kevin's uh, abiding love for hip hop. And I want to start there because it's, it, it, it seems to me this happens a lot and it's always unfair. When you write a piece that's getting people to think critically about a particular issue, what gets lost in your critique is your love of the genre, your love of the issue, your love of the person. Well, you can do both. You can critique it and love it. And because you critique it doesn't mean you love it, doesn't mean you ought to be taking the task for your critique. That said, we'll start with the Kevin Powell's love for hip hop and we'll jump from there when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. For all the freedom-loving folk, this is Tavis Smiley. I feel like freedom. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in dialogue with Kevin Powell about his recent piece for Politico called Hip Hop and America are changing and not for the better. We got this hour to dissect his views on America not changing for the better. And hip-hop, not changing for the better. We'll get into all that in just a moment here. Let me start, though, uh, Kevin, with your, with, your, with your love for hip-hop. Um, you're a hip-hop head. Uh, you, come, uh, you, you come of age during this era. So let's start with, with, with that uh, story, um, that relationship to the music and the culture, and then we'll jump from there. I mean, I'm like a lot of folks. 1979 is such a watershed moment for black music. I mean, we're talking Earth, Wind & Fire, Chic, Michael Jackson's first solo album. I mean, there was so much stuff going on. And then these folks called Sugar Hill Gang dropped this record called Rapper's Delight that was rapping over Sheik's Good Times. And it was game-changing, you know, and they weren't necessarily the best or even the first. You know, King Tim's uh, uh, Personality was a rap song that was released uh, in, in August of 79 uh, by the Fatback Band, but it didn't get the play that Rapper's Delight did. But I was, I was hooked. 
And I was one of those kids growing up in the New York City area, uh, Jersey City, across the river from New York City, that was deeply impacted by graffiti, dancing. I did all of it. I mean, my best friend in high school was a DJ. You know, and, and it's wild to me when I hear folks from California, I like talking about Uncle uh, Jam and all those folks in the, on the West Coast who were doing the same thing. It was just this incredible energy, and it was the first time we had a music for us that wasn't our parents' Motown or Stacks. It wasn't their spirituals or blues. It was something that we created. And it was just really accessible because you didn't have to have the same, you know, you just had to have an incredible ability to, to spit rhymes. And as you know, Tyler, as someone who's been a pioneer for us in radio for all these years, you know, we didn't know at the time that there had been radio personalities, black ones, down south, west coast, east coast, everywhere, who were literally rapping on the radio back in the day. But a lot of us didn't know that we were too young to know those kind of things. But when I started getting older and connecting the dots, it just made it even more powerful for me. So it was it was a way to express ourselves. And hip-hop really did save the lives of a lot of us. I, there's no way I would have 16 books in a writing career I have if it wasn't for hip-hop. So much, so much of the stuff that I've done, you know, be it about Tupac Shakur or Snoop Dogg or other folks through the years, is because of hip-hop. Quincy Jones started Vibe Magazine because of hip-hop. I got an opportunity to be on staff there because of hip-hop. And then it just opened up more doors after that. So that's the part I love. What I don't love is what we talking we were talking about today yeah. is how it's been co-opted, commodified, commercialized, and rerouted. The balance, the diversity has been taken out of it, you know. And literally, you know. And now that I think about it, I think I said this when I was in the studio with you in person. I can't wait to come back to your to your your building. The fact that you got a shot, you. I mean, you epitomize hip hop because hip hop is making something out of nothing, winning on our own terms. You and WVON and Word in Philadelphia, three black-owned radio stations. I mean, that's hip hop to me. You know, mm. own yourself, own own your own possibilities. And, you know, when I think about it, Tavis, it's just, you know, it, it, it hurts my heart because we are not NIGGAs. We are not BITCHs. I think about how your very first show ever on BT, literally, I came to you because that's when Tupac was killed. Literally, mm -hmm. I came from Vegas to do your show, you know. And so, you know, it's profound when you think about where this culture has been, you know. But at that time, we didn't know that it was going to turn into this kind of minstrel show as i call it in the piece and people are would and i'll say it i don't have the you know you know i were texting last week people overall the response has been overwhelmingly beautiful and people are like you're making me think i don't agree with everything i want i don't want a full agreement mm -hmm. but there's folks who've taken offense to the word minstrel and they refuse to read the piece <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah you know and i'm like well think about it historically the minstrel show was created in the midst of slavery in the 1800s Black folks depicted as ugly, dumb, lazy, over-sexualized, all these things I say in the piece, you know, and that had a catastrophic effect on the self-esteem, the psyche of black folks. Blackface came out of that. We still have the residue of it to, to this day. People still walking around with blackface, doing blackface in America, in Poland, as we saw in the last couple of weeks and other places. But you think about the images, I think about something, Tavis, Nathan McCall wrote a book uh, called What's Going On, his biography, his autobiography a few years back, and he talks about his autobiography, and I love black exploitation films. I mean, I got, I got Superfly and a Mac in my collection. You better believe I love those movies. But he said those movies had an effect on him ending up in prison because he digested those images. Back then in the 70s, you had to literally get out of your house and go to the movie theater. Now with our iPhones and our Androids, 24 7 365 you have this thing on loop of these narrow definitions of what blackness is and i think it's mm. destructive to our people hip-hop didn't create this stuff but i believe that the industry the industry said wait a minute we don't want the political stuff we don't want to hear chuck d we don't want to hear karis one we don't want to hear the political ice cube that we heard back in the day who wrote you know this the most powerful anti-police brutality song when he was with nwa we don't want that what we want is the, the the disrespect of women, 
the, the N-word, we want all the violence, the drug taking and drug selling, the anti-intellectualism, not having the kind of conversations that you have on your show or you all have at your radio station. We want the opposite of all of that. We don't want to empower black people. Mm. Um, so is the indictment, you, you said a mouthful there. I didn't want to interrupt. I want to let you get it all out. Uh, yes, is, is, the indictment, yes, is the indictment primarily of the artist or the industry? No. It, when I say the industry, so the culture of hip-hop is the DJ, the MC or rapper, the graffiti artist, the graffiti writer, the dance element. Those are the four core elements of hip-hop. That's the culture which was created about life and possibilities, as I say in the political piece. The industry, I'm talking about record labels, I'm talking about mm -hmm. the, the mainstream commercialized radio stations, I'm talking about video channels, I'm talking about magazines, media, who are all, I'm even talking about the podcast phenomenon. There's so many hip-hop podcasts out there where it's just kind of, it's on a recurring loop, the same conversations, the same images over mm -hmm. and over again. And if you're like, I mean, I'm from the hood. You know where I'm coming from. I, I talked about it on your show when I was there mm -hmm. at the station a few months back. Single mama. I didn't know nothing about no black history. I didn't know nothing about nothing. And so I grew up digesting the most horrific images of black folks, not even realize what I was digesting. And there was nothing to counter it until I got to college and I started understanding, wait a minute, you come from rich and beautiful history. That was back then before we had multiple 500 TV shows like I do now, Brother Tavis. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about, imagine all these kids, be they South, South Los Angeles or Brooklyn, New York, where I'm at right now, your station in South Los Angeles or Brooklyn, New York, where I'm at, they... If they're not being exposed to the totality of the black experience, they don't realize how much beauty and joy and power is in our history and in our images. And all you're getting over and over again is a steady diet of the same stuff. This, that's going to have a catastrophic effect on how you feel about yourself and how you treat each other. So it may not have created the conditions, but it can reinforce the conditions. And that's what we need to understand as black people when we're debating about, well, Kev, it's just music. No, it's not just music mm -hmm. because it can either music, you know, Al Sharpton said it, you know, it's not enough to say we're going to reflect what's going on. The music should also correct what's going on mm. if we're serious about love for our people. But 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 I always always struggle with this because um, I, I don't yes, I don't I don't I don't believe you're saying this. And if you are, I want to I want to I want to press my claim here. Um, yes, sir. I, I hear everything you're saying. I don't disagree with any of it. And yet I struggle with whether or not everything that is wrapped, everything that is in hip hop music has to necessarily be socially redemptive. I, I, I find myself no. I, I find myself, you know, reminding people that Marvin did saying what's going on, but he also saying, let's and get let's it on. Get on. Yeah, exactly. He did yes. both. What's going on, yes. let's get it on. So does everything out of their mouths have to be socially redemptive? Absolutely not. But ask yourself a question and the listeners out there should ask yourself a question. When is the last time we've heard an incredible love song from black people in the hip-hop era of the last 25, 30 years that's on the level of Marvin Gaye, the stylistics, the temptations? We can mm -hmm. go down a list of people. Mm -hmm. Where are even the love songs at? And so what you're talking about with what's going on, Marvin Gaye, but let's get it on Marvin Gaye, is balance. And what I say in the political piece, where is the balance in our music? This is the first time since our enslavement. We had Philhouse, blues, spirituals. Uh, uh, we had ragtime. We had jazz, mm -hmm. rock and roll, soul music. This is the first time in our history where we don't have music that is balanced and diverse. On those plantations, they had songs that were, were work songs. They had songs that were about love. They had songs that were coded language for resistance and escaping from slavery. Mm -hmm. They had all of that. But what we have now is a lack of balance. Man, I don't want everything to be trusty in public enemy. I don't want everything, you know, to be Kendrick. I love Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar is my favorite rapper, right, for the last several years. Shout out to Kendrick Lamar. Shout out to LA. Shout out to the West Coast. But, you know, 
it shouldn't just be Kendrick, as I say in a piece, who is putting out music where he's exploring who he is as a black man, you know, his relationship with his wife, you know, his children, being a father. He's talking about going to Africa. I mean, all these different things. Are we saying that we are okay with not being well-rounded? Marvin Gaye was well-rounded. I'm so glad you pointed to that example, Tavis, because Marvin was incredibly well-rounded, even with his own personal demons and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You knew what was going on. He was constantly exploring. I'm saying we should not be comfortable with not even exploring who we are. And why is it just one thing where it just feels like a bunch of violence? And I'm not even, I'm not even a prude. I have nothing to do, no problem with, with sexual expression, sexual liberation. I'm with all of it. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, where, as you're talking about Joe Biden and Donald Trump and what may happen in 2024, how is it that we don't have any music? You know, in the last three years, even when we had the Black Lives Matter protest explode in 2020, we had to go back to Kendrick Lamar in 2020 all right song that became a chant for black lives matter because there was hardly any artist on par with curtis mayfield bob mm. marley nina simone mm. anyone making any music you know what i'm saying tabs we have yeah. to constantly go back and say okay what does stevie say about this you know yeah. these are music this is music from the 60s and 70s so we're just saying wait a minute record labels video channels magazines and uh 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 all the folks who represent this industry, why is it that a white brother or sister, a white person who makes country Western music can make music about if you come to a small town, this was going to happen to you, but then turn around and make a love song, turn around and cover and make all kinds of topics. But when it comes to black artists in the hip hop era, whether they're R&B or hip hop, or the rappers, it's been reduced to only a few things is acceptable for them. Who yeah. else is allowed? To, who else is encouraged to do that on the planet? Yeah. Is the question. I'm thinking in 2023. I, no, I hear you. I'm I'm thinking of Jesse Jackson, who once said to me, "Tavis, content without context is pretext." Yeah. That's Jesse Jackson, man. That content yes, without context is pretext. So I hear your critique of hip hop, the music, and the culture. What's 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 your critique of the nation state? in which hip-hop was developed. What, what's, the, what's the critique of, of America? Because the, the piece is titled, Hip-Hop and America are changing and not for the better. So let me, let me just pivot from hip-hop just for a second um, to get your critique yes, of sir. the nation in which you are critiquing hip-hop. Well, sir, I mean, just think about where we are. You're in Los Angeles. I'm in New York City. If we, man, as I've traveled the country, you know, when I came there, and I, I believe it was in December last year, now that I think about it, you know, I literally went to 15 cities, and everywhere I went, I saw an explosion that I've never seen in my life of homelessness, mm. and more black people, whole families homeless, mm. more black men, more black males than ever before homeless, more younger black males than ever before homeless. And so, what is my critique? It's the same one that Dr. King had at the end of his life. Vietnam War speech, April 4th, 1967, one year before he was killed, we're sending poor blacks and poor white whites to fight poor Asian people in uh, uh, Vietnam. And then he began to talk about, econ- he was talking about economic justice, economic empowerment. That's why he was in Watson 65, Chicago in 66, and he was organizing this thing and became a poor people's campaign. It's still the same issue. A small percentage of us are able to do well. The rest of us are struggling. I mean, we should be ashamed of ourselves. It should be a national concern that we have so many people, not just black folks, but Latinx folks, Asian folks, indigenous folks, white folks, working class folks, even middle class folks, who literally are sleeping in campers, trailers, on cardboard, underneath bridges and 
highways in New York and L.A. and all over the country. And so those are the conditions that honestly created hip-hop in the first place, mm. because Dr. King was saying, we are abandoning people, we are forgetting people, we are erasing people, we are othering people, we are rendering people invisible. And we have to ask ourselves a question, when Dr. King's birthday rolls around this January, that was 67, 68 we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's about to be 2024. 56, 57 years later, why is are so many people in this country that has so much wealth, so much possibilities, suffering financially? Mm-hmm. And so hip hop speaks to that. And even in the most horrific, you know, form that I'm talking about, you know, at times where we're obsessed with material things, the reality is too, I understand because I come from poverty. Poor people, Tavis, do not want to be poor. Mm-hmm. And how do we feel better about ourselves? The car, the jewelry, the gr- the gr- ice grill in our mouths, you know, or even naming our children things like Mercedes. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We our kids' names become things that we aspire to have. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm not knocking, you know, the, what, what our brothers and sisters and people are rapping about. What I'm saying is, okay, once you get there, what else are you going to do with this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, Harry Belafonte, Sidney Poitier, rest in peace. They understood when they got to a certain level of success, they had a responsibility to make sure that it wasn't just about them, just like what you've been doing with your life. Let me reach back like Harry Tubman did and empower other people along the way. And that's, Brother Tavis, think about it. You've been doing State of Black America. America stuff. Everywhere you've gone, it's been like, heck, how can I help black people as I'm going forward? That's what we got to talk about in 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, that does need to be discussed. And what also needs to be discussed is um, the issue you raised earlier, these hip hop artists who are starting to embrace Donald Trump. Uh, I'm looking at my clock Woo. here and I, yeah, I know I, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Woo. Uh, I'm looking at my clock here. I know, I know <laughs> if I, if I pose this to you right now, um, you won't have time to really unpack this. Let me just say when we come forward, uh, we're going to get um, Kevin Powell's temperature on uh, hip hop artists and their embrace of Donald Trump. We're going we're to spend some time in our final hour today talking with a great uh, writer, uh, Morgan Jerkins, uh, who writes for Vanity Fair, about the obsession that black people seem to have with Italian icons on screen. Think uh, Tony Montana. Think Al Pacino. In, in, in Scarface. Uh, so we'll, 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 we'll talk we'll talk about that obsession. Uh, and a lot of hip-hop artists love Tony Montana. They love Scarface. So there, there's an obsession that some of us have with these Italian uh, artists on screen. But there's also, it seems to me, an obsession that some of these hip-hop artists have with Donald Trump. I think I get it on a, on a prima facie level. Uh, but I'm going to get uh, Kevin Powell to help me drill down a little bit more on what that's all about. Uh, his article for Politico, you can read it for yourself. It's called Hip Hop in America Are Changing and Not for the Better. I am delighted uh, to continue this conversation when we come forward with Kevin Powell on Tavis Smiley. From the Merck Park with love, love this love. is Tavis Smiley. Oh. May Fresh Daily in the Merck Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. I hate stepping on Biggie. I hate stepping on the Notorious B.I.G. because he sounds so good. Uh, but I figured since Kevin Powell is in Brooklyn, and we're talking about hip hop. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Why not squeeze in some Biggie? Uh, I'm Tavis Smiley. Glad to have you tuned in. Our guest is Kevin Powell. Uh, we're talking about uh, a beautiful and provocative piece he wrote for Politico called Hip Hop and America Are Changing and Not for the Better. Uh, I highly recommend that you read it uh, to get uh, even deeper insights than you can get in this hour uh, from Kevin Powell. It's, uh, again, called Hip Hop and America Are Changing 
and not for the better. Delighted to be in dialogue with Kevin Powell. Kevin, I was talking to my boy Miles. Miles, get on the microphone for a second. Uh, Miles is my board op. He's a young 20-something, uh, and he's a rapper himself. When he's not here, he's performing around the country, and uh, I have to make sure I have to fight with this Negro sometimes to make sure he's in the studio when I need him uh, and not on the road too much. Uh, but he's doing his thing, and uh, he's amazing uh, as an artist. And he and I were talking during that break about um, – a frame that he wanted me to wrestle with. And his question was, Tavis, how deep are you listening? How deep are you listening? You can have a critique of hip hop if you're only listening at a surface level. Um, but the question for Miles is, how deep are you listening? So Miles, unpack that for Kevin Powell. I mean, because I, uh, first of all, Kevin, appreciate you, man. I got to check out the uh, uh, the article in, in its entirety. But I feel like uh, in the age of streaming, in the age of these algorithms, um, I get no shortage of great positive hip hop, of great hip hop that I think uh, 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 captures the core values that we love hip hop. And I think that because of the 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 criticism of the mainstream, I get it. But I think at that tone, you also have to uh, critique the listeners as well, the people who are trained to accept this as hip hop and actually call it hip hop. I think that's probably where more of the of the blame would lie, as opposed to just the artists and the culture as a whole. Am I wrong? I would no, Miles. I appreciate you, and I, and I wish you much success uh, with your career. I believe I met you when I came through there, and we need you, brother. You know, just like we need Kendrick Lamar, we need Chance the Rapper, we need Toby, our brother out of Houston, Texas. We need J Cole. We need you know we need a whole bunch of stuff. My issue is not even what people are saying. I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face, Miles and Tavis. My issue is the lack of balance and diversity. That's the problem, and I'm someone who's on SoundCloud. Uh, YouTube, I'm all over the place looking at TikTok, everywhere looking for stuff. And what I'm saying to you is even here, you know, here in Brooklyn, I remember there was a young brother a couple years ago. He said, Kev, can you listen to my music? I said, bet. I started listening to it. I said, man, you sound like a, a, a dollar store, Biggie Small, since we just played Biggie. I said, and first of all, you got a mom and a daddy. You're middle class. You're not from the hood. Why are you saying this stuff? He couldn't even answer the question. And so... It's not so much, you know, blaming anyone. It, like James Baldwin said back in the day, if you really love something deeply, then you reserve the right to criticize it. He was talking about America. Mm-hmm. We're talking about America as well, but we're also talking about hip-hop and black people. I, you know, I, we have a deep love for our people and for our culture and our community. And we got to say, hey, what's wrong with this? I mean, and the question rhetorically, Tavis and Miles, that I always ask people, what are the people? And I say this in the piece, Tavis, as you know, what are the people allowed to call themselves the equivalent of the N-word mm-hmm. or the B-word? Mm-hmm. And it's mixed and matched and shipped around the world just the way COVID was shipped around the world, literally, you know, became this, this pandemic. And, and no one can ever answer the question. No one can say, well, you know, this group or that group. And so you got to ask yourself, why has this happened to black people? And music, music is the one thing in spite of everything we've been through, being kidnapped from Africa, the Middle Passage, slavery, segregation, being hung from trees, towns like Tulsa, Oklahoma being destroyed, black businesses being destroyed, civil rights movement, all the stuff we've been through, you know, we always had our music to hold on to. And the thing is, what I think about it, you know, Tavis doing the Breaking Miles, or whoever's playing the music, it's an incredible musical range that y'all, the music that y'all are playing on the show is what we need, which is all that diversity. I want Frankie Beverly Mays, and I want Biggie, and I want Kendrick. I want all of it. But the reality is, 
if I brought this music now to my mother, even over the last 25 years, I don't name certain artists. I'm not trying, you notice I haven't say, said any artists. I didn't really name any artists in my piece. Yep. My mama can't listen to this music. And so we got to ask ourselves, are we making music that is now so offensive that women can't listen to it or our elders can't listen to it or we don't want our kids to listen to it? I mean, you know how many times I've had to say to a DJ, can you just play the clean version because we got some kids up in here, we got some elders up in here? <laughs> Miles, 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 I love the point Kevin's making now that we have entered into a space where the music can't be enjoyed by all. You, 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 you in some ways, you're limiting your audience. I hundred percent get it. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, that goes to. I think there was a certain point, like you said, when when King said that we can't forget about these young kids coming up. I feel that there was a point where the elders let go of hip hop and mm-hmm. stopped monitoring the young kids as they were uh, uh, creating. I think that's what led to where we at now. But I think that the solution to that would be let's stop calling everything hip-hop. Let's stop letting everybody else define what our culture is and what we accept as a certain genre and what we call our music. Hmm. Is, that part, is that part of the problem, Kevin, that, we, that we've allowed others to define what hip-hop is 50 years in? Well, it's, it's, it's others, but it's also some of us. Some of us chase the bag, too. And, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to say any names, but listen, Miles, I've been in and around the music industry at Savage Notes for 30 years. Yep. So I literally have seen folks make millions of dollars. I, I've been on panels with people where they said they did not care what kids were listening to in South Los Angeles, in Brooklyn, New York, because <laughs> their, kids get to go to, their kids get to go to private school because of the money they're making. People yeah. have literally said that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And these are black folks, not just white folks, but these are black folks because we know... The plantation mentality is still in effect. You got folks who actually, if they can't be the overseer or the master, then they want to be in the house. And the house to them means that even if you're selling out your own people for a dollar, for a bag, and you don't care the destructive effect of it. And so, Miles, I think you should make any kind of music you want. All I ask is look at the model of Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick started off one way, but because he was reading, studying, traveling, paying attention in certain kinds of conversations. If you listen to Mr. Morale, the album he put out a year ago, and Miles, check it out. I wrote a piece about it in Complex Magazine a year ago. It's absolutely brilliant because this brother is actually doing what, Mar- what, what Tyrus represented reference earlier. He's looking, Marvin Gaye looked within. And so if you're an artist, no matter what kind of art you have, you have to look in the mirror every now and then. You go, are you good with just making the same stuff for 20 years? Like it's no big deal. There's no growth. There's no evolution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can understand when you come from the hood. Our, when I was growing up, we wanted to get out of the hood. When you listen to a lot of our music now, it's like everybody just wants to be in the hood. It's not wrong with being in the hood, but like let's build. Let's do what Nipsey Hussle was trying to do, which is like let's beautify the hood, let's build the hood up, let's create opportunities for the hood, not further destroy the hood. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. I get it. Miles does too. He's shaking his head in that, in that regard. We 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 agree. Um, I'm looking at my. Let me let me do this. Um, I want to get to this this conversation that uh, that uh, you teed up earlier. Uh, about hip hop, um, certain artists in hip hop, uh, and their obsession, their affinity, uh, their um, adulation, adoration, if you will, for Donald Trump. Uh, I think I get that on one level, as disturbed as I am by it. I think I get it, uh, but I really want to get Kevin Powell's take on that. Um, many of you also saw Kamala Harris trying to dance, trying to dance um, <laughs> with these uh, with these hip hop artists um, who uh, had gathered for a celebration of the 50th anniversary, uh, and I always have a problem with politicians who, anyway, I'll explain that when we come forward, get Kevin's take on that as well. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Unapologetically progressive. progressive. Unapologetically blind. You're tapped into Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Smiley. A little deep smoke for you on the Tavis Smiley Show with Kevin Powell. Um, Kevin, what what is this, uh, this obsession that... Uh, 
some in the hip hop community have with one Donald J. Trump? <laughs> a lot of us want to be white men, honestly. <laughs> it's not even it's not even some new phenomenon. We were, we've been rapping about Donald Trump for years, even before he became this this, this rabbit outward racist because he was always the rabbit outward racist that we were paying attention. Central Park Five, the man took out an ad in major newspapers calling for the death of the Central Park Five, the exonerated five now. This is back in the day. You know, this is who this man is. You know, his father was a slumlord in New York City. They were exploiting people all over the place to, to build, to pad their wallets, to pad their, pad their bag. And so I just think we as we as black folks can't act like this is some new phenomenon of, of, of who he is, but also think that a lot of us really aspire to, because we, we don't, man, we need to be looking at Miles and Tavis Smiley and Reginald Lewis, and there's so many black men, black men in our in our history and in our our present day that we can look to for examples and here we are talking about well he's not that bad and he gets the job done at least he he takes no shorts from people i'm like that's your limited definition of manhood that you're going to put someone up there who could care less about black people and brown people and working class poor people could care less about women and we can go down a list and care less about immigrants queer folks disabled folks different he's made fun of all the groups i just listed he's, mm-hmm. he, and he's created helped to perpetuate policies that affected all these different types of people uh one thing i need to say brother i think it was in beautiful the conversation with you and Miles and me, because that's the kind of conversation that black people and black men specifically need to have about our music. Last week, I was on a Zoom call with a bunch of brothers talking about hip hop at 50, and we were of different ages. And I think we need to have those kind of conversations with each other. And so I just wanted to thank you and Miles for even doing that, because I thought it was powerful that, to invite Brother Miles in like that. No, I appreciate it. No, Miles always has something good to say. Well, not always. <laughs> I don't want to pump him up. Too. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to pump him up too much. But no, he's a he's a he's he's, he's a he's a, he's a brilliant young cat, and um, I love bringing him in these dialogues. How did you um t- tell me quickly how you read the the video that went viral of of Kamala Harris uh and and uh, celebrating hip hop? I ain't mad at anybody for celebrating the you know, the anniversary of this iconic and now hegemonic music around the globe, and yet I have certain misgivings about politicians who do things like that. How did you read that moment? Votes. We need votes. Biden's doing really poorly in the polls. They know that Donald Trump could can, can, can still win at re-election next year in spite of everything that's being thrown at him. And they need black folks badly. And let's get some black folks over here who are rappers because they got <laughs> following. I mean, listen, when I interviewed Snoop and Tupac, Tupac back in the day for Vibe Magazine, they both said to me, we got five, six million people buying our record. That's five, six million voters. I never forgot that. And so if you got Lil Wayne and all these other folks there, that means that you understand they got constituencies that are going to pay attention if I'm partying with them. So I'm not saying there's no integrity whatsoever. I'll leave that to other folks to decide. But I will say that they're desperate. And that was a desperation move uh, for, for me because I'm like, you know, if we really love black people, like you said, I heard it as I was coming on your show. Voting rights, you know, we got so many different issues that we mm-hmm. need to, the black folks help to get them into the White House. We know what it was, Tavis. And so where are our concerns being addressed on a regular basis? I'm going to say it again. There's a disproportionate amount of black people, especially black males, that I'm seeing homeless all around this country. Who's going to help them after the 24 election? Mm. Our remaining moments with Kevin Powell when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. Sounds different, huh? This is Tavis Smiley. This is Tavis Smiley in dialogue with Kevin Powell. His piece for Politico, which I highly recommend, is called Hip Hop in America Are Changing and Not for 
the better. Take some time and just sit still and read it. Um, I think you'll be empowered by it. Hip hop in America are changing and not for the better. The piece by Kevin Powell you can find right now on Politico. That said, in the three minutes I have left, Kevin, I want to come back to something that um, I, I, I jotted down. You can't see me because, well, if you're watching on YouTube or the app or something, but yes, you can't yes, you can't sir. see me right now. But I I, I wrote this down. I, I grabbed my pen so fast here in the studio and wrote this down because it hit me pretty viscerally when you said it. And I want to close our conversation with this because this is much bigger than just hip hop, obviously. This yeah, notion that you yeah. raised earlier that too many of us are engaged in a narrow defining of who we are, uh, a mm-hmm. narrow defining of who we are. I wonder if we can close our dialogue uh, today talking about that frame, that too many of us are engaged in defining our our contributions, our our hopes, our dreams, our aspirations, our fears, you name it. But there's this there's this narrow definition that too many of us, I think, are advancing about who we are. And that that's that's beyond troublesome for me. Let's close on that note. Please tell me more. You know, I'll say like this. I want to shout out Bell Hooks, who would have been 71 yesterday. And she just challenged me when I was a young man sitting up under her feet, Tavis, that we as black folks have to be intellectually curious for the rest of our lives. We have to be constant learners. I mean, you're doing what I do all the time as well. Even when I was in the studio with you back in December, I'm writing stuff down, too, because we should be taking those. We should be asking ourselves. We should be rigorous about study. And I think about that a lot because I think it's not just about hip-hop. It's Like you said, it's bigger than hip-hop. This whole country has been dumbed down significantly. Think about from the time that you uh, started your media career, Tavis, to where we are now, mm. how much this country has been severely dumbed down. Mm. You know, And I'm talking across the board. Very few of us know American history. Many of us can't connect the dots, even are able to articulate basic stuff. But when I go overseas, I was saying my wife and I were just in Africa and Europe, for example. I've been to Japan. I've been places. We They know us better than we know ourselves. I'm talking about black folks. They know black history. They know the civil rights movement. And they know what's going on. It's mind blowing. And so I think that we need to challenge ourselves as black folks and all people in this country. Like, you know, because when you even look at the support for Donald Trump, it's because people simply are enthusiastically ignorant, not just comfortable with being ignorant, but just <laughs> enthusiastic about it. And we as black folks can ever afford. And so it's not really just about the music, but like, are we good with just talking about the same stuff over and over again when all this is happening around us? I mean, for Christ's sakes, you know, brother, you have a building, y'all have, you know, a black-owned business there. I mean, this should be applauded, but we need more examples of that. It should not just be three black-owned radio stations that are doing what you are doing and D.O. in Chicago and Word in Philadelphia. You know, if we have more black millionaires than ever before, billionaires that we've never seen before, we got to ask ourselves, why are we still subjected to the whims of mainstream media when we could be creating our own outlets? Why did I write the piece for political? Because no black outlets asked me to write the piece as if I don't even exist. And I love my people. Mm-hmm. I love my people. You know how much I love my people. Oh, yeah. I love black people profoundly. And so we got to ask ourselves, you know, where are we at here in 2023, 24? It's not just about the presidential election. It's, it's really about the future of our people, something that you've been trying to help us think about and explore for many, many years in different ways. And I think it's more critical than ever. I, I'm liking this period to what happened during Reconstruction, where we are now, where, you know, things were shut down. And, and we got to figure out what are we going to build and create out of all this? I have yeah. hope, Tavis. That article is a love letter. I have hope because of conversations like this with Miles and the things I've seen around the country. But we've got to, everyone's got to have a plan. Tavis Smiley has his plan. What is your plan? He knows what he owns. He knows what he's building. What are you building and creating black people? That's the question we got to ask ourselves. Well, Kevin Powell's got a plan, too, and it uh, it includes uh, writing uh, brilliant pieces that make us think. Uh, reexamine the assumptions we hold, expand our inventory of ideas, see the world 
through a different prism and not engage in a narrow definition of who we are. His piece for Politico is called Hip Hop in America are changing and not for the better. I'd only add to WURD, the word in Philadelphia, WVON, the voice of the Negro in Chicago, WBOK, <laughs> WBOK in New Orleans, owned by our friend Wendell Pierce. So there's a, there's another one. Oh, my God. Yeah, Wendell owns BOK, WBOK in New Orleans, and I'm delighted to be heard on all three of them. Uh, Kevin Powell, I love you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. Thanks for the conversation, my friend. Have a blessed day. See you soon in L.A. Likewise. And uh, that's the that's the phrase of the day. Enthusiastically ignorant. Not just ignorant. I love that line. Enthusiastically ignorant. I digress. You're listening to Tavis Smile.